Welcome to Bonehead Weekly. And this week, we're talking about the Huskow. Pokey. James, I noticed you didn't drop off our uh, Pruno for this event. Pruno. Do you not know what Pruno is? I thus the the question the question the face question. That's jail wine. They make it in the toilet. It's called Pruno. Yes. Prisoners actually call it Pruno. Yes. You know how do you know that? Chad? How do you know? I watched this? a shit ton of lockup back in the day. By back so, in the day, he means yesterday. Always, <laughs> oh, we're talking about prison movies this week, and. What is the bet? Before we start, can we all agree on what the best prison movie of all time is? Before we talk about our favorites, what's the this best? This is going to become movie? a throwdown, isn't it? No, no, I'm pretty sure he's going to. Um, we're, ooh, man, I don't know, Joe. You, I feel like you want to say Shawshank, but I have a hard time because Green Mile's up there, bud. But but it has to be Shawshank because it that's has legit to be Shawshank. And I don't mean to argue this, and I'm serious. I don't even mean this as a joke, and I wasn't going sideways on this. It's the one that has permeated culture. That a lot of people know. Whereas yeah, it, the Green Mile came out, and if you guys remember, was a huge hit. Right. Shawshank wasn't. Shawshank dropped. Yeah, bombed. Yeah. And then Shawshank did get nominated for Academy Awards, but didn't win anything. Green Mile got nominated for Academy Awards. And I mean, TBS it, is what made Shawshank Shawshank, right? So kind of, this, kind that, of, that, that's an argument I have a lot because that's what people say about the Wizard of Oz. That's what people say about the Christmas story. That's what people say about it's a wonderful life. Like it got into syndication no. because none of these movies were overly successful and because they're replayed, people have them. It's a wonderful life though. I don't know about the other ones, but a wonderful life falls into that category because it was public domain for a while there. And that's when they just, all those stations picked it up for free. Yeah. But Here's my counter argument to this. And we were talking about this the other day about news because we were talking about, you know, if they don't watch it, they don't put it on. They like Shawshank because if it didn't play well, it wouldn't play all the time on TNT. It's the same thing with the Christmas story. If it didn't play well, it wouldn't play all the time, no matter how free it is. With those two, I agree. Um, It's just a wonderful life's a little different because it was a different time when that went and that's how that game classic. That's how it gained the classic status that it did. I no, I disagree. It's just a really well made movie. I know you don't like it, but it's still really well made, really okay. well acted film. It was cheap. That's all it was. <laughs> yeah, that's what. But I disagree. I I see. I know what you're saying. Yeah. I don't think people would still. Yes, there's three channels and it's cheap and it's on a lot. But is that the reason it's still a classic, or is it because it's a classic? Okay, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying, and I, you know, in a way, I agree with you because, and again, I am not a big "It's a Wonderful Life" fan. I do not. I never have gotten the appeal of it. Um, but because it was free, it got cheap, and then people started watching it, and because it was aired so much, because it was cheap, they started to see that there was more to it. It got a because, second life because it's cheap. It got yeah. all these movies. I will agree with you. Got second lives because and then and then that's how it got to the classic status because it made people finally feel, oh there's something to this film that people missed who only I got know, to see it one time and then the studio dropped it. I know I know we're talking about prisons tonight, but actually I wanted to bring up something else that this ties into this conversation that we're having right this second because I saw something online today and it actually made me go oh are we not going to see any more cult classics that get discovered later it's tough the the person that was making that argument says that now that there is a legal loophole where you can write off films provided you make them disappear if they don't make money right 
and they were making the argument we will I mean, not see we won't Disney see a Shawshank again. again. We won't see a because it'll just be oh that failed destroy it destroy it. In some uh, ways, yes, but I think there will be smaller studios who make those movies and then they just dump it on a streaming service and people find it. Yeah, what they do is they're writing it off on their streaming service. A lot of these things, for example, I think it was, I don't think it was Willow, but it was some of those HBO shows are going to go to Tubi. Yeah, and some like Lovecraft Country is already on Tubi and several several movies that... Is Lovecraft Country on Tubi? Yeah, it's, it's not that I have anything against Tubi. It's just so sad because that is a fantastic fucking it, show. It that is it's not it's... on HBO. What a bunch of assholes. Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. And I mean, yeah, and they're, they're writing them off, but they are showing up in other places. So, so unless they destroy it, like they did the Batman or the Batgirl movie, Girl, unless yeah. it's just destroyed, then I disagree with the sentiment. The, what I would say is, is that it's just not as special because there's just so much streaming. So the other day there was this blah, 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 bomb came to life because it was on the top eight or whatever of Netflix. I can't remember which movie it was. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. No, the, I see those articles all the time now, though. Uh, an example of that is Ripped, the the movie that had uh, Ron Reynolds and... Um, I've never heard of The it. Rock? No, what no. Uh, um, uh, is this the yeah. Christmas movie? Jeff Bridges. No, never heard of oh, it. Oh, R.I.P.D. R.I.P.D. Not ripped. Oh, ripped. Damn it. What the hell, James? They even made a sequel to it. They did. Some, uh, well, that's they why. did with reason. the guy from Burn Notice. That's why, because it hit streaming, and all of a sudden, everybody's like, oh, this is kind of enjoyable. It's okay. And No, it, it's not. It got view- Well, it got views on streaming, and that's how it's, it got a follow-up. It's good in a few scenes. Oh, my. I can't remember what the thing was in Netflix. I mean, but there's been several of them, and you yeah. see them. It's like, oh, it's popular this week for some inexplicable reason in algorithms. So that's it's just harder to find. And even, and there's so much content ripped. I know. No, I, I no didn't. I just was going rest by. In, it's the rest in peace division. Peace division. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I just was going. I knew I wouldn't get it out if I didn't say it quickly. I'd forget that title, so I had. Oddly to get it enough, quickly. it needed another P technically to be ripped. I'm <laughs> sorry. Would you prefer me call it rip? Uh, it wouldn't be ripe. It doesn't have an E. No, no. It needs another vowel. I'm just saying, it needs another vowel. So, so, what's the best? I don't know. I just think that's the prison movie that most I people think, know. I would I would agree with you with Shawshank. I think most modern audiences would say that. Yes. Uh, there's a couple that I would argue that if you asked that question before Shawshank came out, the, the answer would of course be different. Yeah, it would have been Cool Hand Luke. Also, I see. I don't know if it'd be Cool Hand Luke. I, I would almost wonder if it would have been The Great Escape. Mm. I don't know that song. Everybody cool. knows that song. Yeah, everybody knows the theme from The Great Escape. Well. Do they now? I don't know. That's a good no. I, well, okay. Pre pre Shawshank. Pre Shawshank. I Probably yeah. We should pre nineties. And also, I could also make a counter argument that Shawshank uh, benefited from all those grannies and grandpas watching it on TNT without as much rape. Yeah. And mm. language. I wonder if it was playing unedited, like the Blues Brothers. We yeah. Were talking about this the other day. A lot of people don't know what who grew up on TBS the actual Blues Brothers movie. They just know the PG TBS version. Right. Which is yeah. quite a bit different. Same with Christmas Story. Nobody's seen the hardcore, uh, the hard R Christmas Story. Right. Ralph, Ralphie does horrible things to that teacher. Right. Listen, she didn't run her sass mouth all the time. That's right. So I, I, I 
another just thing to throw out there would they still find it hmm, i don't know shawshank people love shawshank now gentlemen who wants to go first talking well, about their favorite prison movie i'm well, gonna go well, first first lock up or lock out what's it called what was just, the one that ripped just, off escape from new york just so you know oh escape from new york is it lockout lock up what guy pierce lockout lockout in it it's lockout yeah it's lockout i think directed by luke basson right or is it no, just produced by him it's just produced. produced and really? guys and for our audience real quick i'm sorry I, I was being a jerk when i said who's going to go first and then jump lockout is one of the few movies that lost in court to a copyright infringement <laughs> in french court john carpenter won it's such a ripoff of escape from new york i did enjoy it though i'd love any movie with guy pierce in it well yeah 20 minutes of it's good by the way, I d because we jumped off this, I do want to point out uh, Pruno or prison wine is an alcoholic beverage very variously made from apples, oranges, fruit cocktail, fruit juices, hard candy, sugar, high fructose syrup, and possibly other ingredients, including crumbled bread. Okay. Well, I wanted, before we get into <laughs> this, I know there was so many, Bruno. there was so many episodes, so many scenes in lockup where they, they showed prisoners having garbage bags full of Pruno and talking about how they made it. I, I know Chad normally does when we do the yearly reviews. He, he'll tell a little bit about the year. I wanted to start this off with, forgive me, but with a little bit of the history because there is an important point about prisons historically. First, the federal government didn't get, didn't get into the, the American federal government didn't get into the prison business until 1891. They left it to the states. But what I wanted to talk about is just evolution of prisons because originally prisons were punishment and they were a way to remove people from society it is only in relatively recent history that it's became about corrections and making people better uh -huh. and i think that's important even if you're just talking about films because one of the things that i think we can talk about as we talk about the films is are the prisons in these films are they about removing people from society as punishment or are they about correcting behavior? And I think most of the time films go, of course, for the more emotional punishing, right? It's not about yeah. fixing them. It's about punishing them. And and that's, I think that's interesting. Um, so I just wanted to say that because if you look at, if you, if you study the history of prisons, and I've done a little bit of that because oddly enough, it mirrors the history of education quite a bit. Um, well, yeah. I mean, Moscow was a prison for us. Well, I mean, the the I mean, the first, so the the modern prison system is often credited to London, and it was actually created by a philosopher who, uh, Jeremy Bentham, and he was against the death penalty because that used to be the punishment, right? Oh, they mm -hmm. sinned against the crown, kill them, and he was against that, and so he says, guys, what we need to do is just put all these people in one area and lock them up. And then, of course, he was worried, though. He realized that that would be a drain on society, that it would have to be funded and all that stuff. So he designed a prison where they would never know how many guards there were. And so you could technically staff it very sparingly, mm -hmm. but still had them. Uh, so you would have to hire fewer, quote-unquote, peace officers. Now, right. that was in the late uh, 18th century. By the time we get to the 19th century, that's when we start actually housing inmates in prisons. Like I said, in America, the states did it eventually. The, the federal government did get into it in 1891. 
but you know, often we see these films, go ahead and Luke's an example of one, where there are these punishment systems, right? You're working the road crew, you're working uh, or you're getting whipped or so I, I think that's one of the things that's really interesting about prisons, even in pop culture, is we can always ask the question, is is it about fixing the violator to where they don't violate again? Mm-hmm. Or is it about removing them from society and punishing them? And that's that's the two sides. Broadly speaking, and yes, if there's a prison historian out there, I know you're going, well, what about, okay. But generally speaking, the two sides of the coin are punishment or corrections. So I just wanted to say that. Sorry. And then you killed who? Listen, there's no evidence, so I can neither be punished nor corrected. Who wants (laughs) to go first? Chad? I'll go first. Uh, I'll get my uh, serious one out of the way. And this is the only serious one I'm going to talk about. Uh, Murder in the First. I legitimately love this movie. Um, directed but by it's Mark. it's so depressing. I know, but it's so well acted and so good. It may, honestly, guys, it may be my favorite Kevin Bacon performance. Is Murder in the First. And no, it's not ripped. <laughs> Why? What do you <laughs> guys think it ripped? Um, yeah, so it's about this um, attorney who's very young. He's trying to get his career started, and he takes on this uh, uh, the case of this Alcatraz prisoner who has murdered a fellow prisoner. And it's from this where he finds out that this man has been... He went to jail for a simple... He robbed a grocery, but it turned out to be a post office, so it was a federal crime as a result. And so he was sentenced... This young kid was sentenced to Alcatraz, and right away... He is almost instantly thrown. Uh, he tries to escape, but and then he's instantly thrown into solitary confinement and still and kept there for years and years and years and tortured. And he, he becomes a, a monster. Basically, he doesn't know how to react around human beings. And when they finally let him out, he kills the man who sent him to, to solitary confinement. And it's all about him being on trial for this murder. And it's just you see what being in jail has done to him and the warden played by Gary Oldman, who, like I said, just kills any performance he's in is as associate Milton Glenn um, is phenomenal in this movie. Everybody's great in this movie. I mean, it's, it has a great cast in Beth Davidovitz, uh, Brad Dourif's in it, Arlie Ermey's in it. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Um, but again, Kevin Bacon just, kills it in this movie it's one of my favorite it is my favorite prison movie uh i'd like it better than Shawshank. i do and i'm that's saying because i really really love Shawshank. really better than Shawshank. i I really enjoy it i just i i I have a hard time sitting down and watching Shawshank. uh but if if murder in the first is on i can sit down and watch it but i really do love Shawshank guys i'm not i'm not i haven't seen murder in the first a long time but i that's not on yeah that it's it's uh the director's mark rocco rocco do you know mark rocco joe james i ain't never met him well he no. actually died very young he died at 46 he's actually the son of um alex rocco the actor yep hmm. um and if and for our listeners if you don't know who alex rocco is look him up and you go oh it's that guy uh he only made a handful of movies uh he did dream a little dream uh <laughs> where the day takes you he did uh, which dream it, a little dream and 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 then uh, uh something in the first prison. What's it called again? 
Murder in the First? Yeah, he did both of those. Dream a yes. Little Dream for anybody out there is one of the Corey's. It's one of those mind swap movies with Corey. Uh... And I would like, uh, it's Corey Haim and Corey Feldman, and it's where Corey Corey is it Corey? I think it's Corey Feldman switches it's Corey, the bo- with he Jason switches Robot. the body with it. And it has, of course, I just real quick. It does have a uh, oh, what's her name? What's her name? Uh, Meredith Salinger. Hmm. Uh, who was one of just the stunner of of the late eighties, early nineties? Who's now married to Patton Oswalt? Hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, he went to he did that, and then all the other movies after that are are dark movies. Like where the dare to, where the day takes you is one of those I've always wanted to see. It has a star studded cast. It's about uh, drug abuse and this guy trying to help kids who are in trouble. Murder in the first, and then the jacket. Hmm. Which well, is I, that Adrian Brody? That's that, yeah. Adrian Brody time travel movie. I don't think I've ever seen it. Oh my God, you haven't. It's so good, Joe. Maybe I have. If I have, I don't remember it. I know what it is and I don't remember it. Yeah. Uh, so he, and he only directed, uh, he stopped directing after Murder in the First. Uh, they, uh, he produced The Jack in another movie called Take, but Murder in the First was his last movie that he ever directed. And I don't know why. Hmm. But uh, yeah, uh, that's my first pick is Murder and First. If you haven't seen it, please check it out. It is a great film. And again, it may, it, it may be Kevin Bacon's best performance. Hmm. James, you mind if I go next? Thanks. No, I I, real it. quick, real quick. I just want to say, uh, Chad, I know you must have seen it because you would have a different feeling. You, sir, need to go watch the, the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special. Holiday I did special. see it. That's obviously Kevin Bacon's best role. Oh, do you i mean he's got you there he's got me it's not it 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 surpasses ripped <laughs> it sure <sighs> does by the way uh side note james are you going to bring up the one that i brought up for good movie monday or good movie monday segment or I, I don't even remember it i'll be out of that because i was thinking about it i don't remember what i talked about i don't remember i've got problems all right uh, go ahead t- joe lambert oh uh no go ahead you can do that one okay so I want to do one that I didn't really think of as a prison movie, but it clearly is a prison film. Yeah, Vincenzo Natale is an incredibly, I didn't even Back. know who he was. It's not, he's incredible. This actually is probably not his best film, but this is one of the best movies I have ever seen from kind of a first time director. And I want to talk about 1997's Cube. Such a hack. Yeah. God, that's a great movie. It's you know, a good even, movie. I didn't but even consider that as a prison movie, but I it is. Either, it? But it, it, they are prisoners. They don't know who they are. They're not for sure why, and they can't get out. Well, and their names. Their right? names. Their right. names are all allusions to prisons, Levin and Worth, and mm-hmm. it, they're all prisons. And Son the movie takes, I didn't know if I even caught on to that. And the movie takes place in a cube. And as they're going from cube to cube, and it's a small, low-budget film, some of them are booby traps, some of them are not, and they have to try to figure out and work together, and then one of them has a secret. And the less I tell you, the better. So it's on a ton of streaming. Actually, there's a pretty good sequel, Cube 2. is not bad. It, and and it He's not involved it, with that one, right? No, I don't think so. And there's got Cube Zero. There's a couple of sequels that aren't actually half bad. I always say this, too, about... Uh, my, one of my favorite werewolf films, Ginger Snaps, that actually the two sequels aren't terrible either, by the way. You should check them out. They're not as good as the first one, but they're pretty good considering that they're direct-to-video sequels. Same thing yeah. with Cube. Go ahead, Jack. Just side note, you know, it's one of those questions of what happened because, I mean, 
I don't think this is your favorite movie of his. I might be wrong, but no, Splice. Splice. Splice, Splice is my favorite. Splice is everything works in that movie. It does. But it's, it's amazing after Splice, which I think is his best film, he just kind of went to TV. I don't know. wonder, wonder what that was about. So anyway. Well, I think I mean we've talked to many directors before. It's just about opportunity and being at the right place at the right time. He did yeah. a movie with Abigail Breslin and I can't oh Stephen I can never Hattie Stephen Hattie the great character Canadian character actor about ghosts. Uh, yeah, Haunter. That was the movie Haunter. he did after Splice, and then he went to he just went right to TV. And it's not it just isn't what you expect. He did direct a wonderful episode of the Cabinet of Curiosities, the Gil, Gamero del Toro show on netflix so definitely which, check that out which one did he direct i think it's the one with the rats but that's you can look it up anyway sorry guys i'm getting you off track splice is fun and it's one of the most inventive low budget films i've ever seen it was one of those that you just kind of takes your breath away when you watch it going oh my goodness you found i so I, it's hard for me i'm looking all the time my chad gives me advice other people give me advice about trying to find these things for scarefest and, and you just so so rarely find something that just kind of grabs you in fact i'm kind of disappointed i haven't watched a good movie in a long time it seems like i've watched things that are okay but i haven't watched i'm almost done with the fablemans and i'm enjoying it but it doesn't grab 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 me so i recommend splice as a prison film jane uh <laughs> Chad, you, I, it's you, James. I got you so befuddled. What, did I'm you sorry. say Splice is a prison film? Did oh God, cube? yes. He was. He kept interrupting me, and I was going to throw through the cube. So yes, cube, and then go watch Splice because I thought he did that on purpose. So that was a complete accident. Vincenzo did it. He did it well. Splice in the prison with the cubes. James, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go the opposite of Chad. Chad started was a serious one. I'm gonna start with my nerdiest one because. This is a pop culture podcast. This particular prison that's referenced it first referenced it's in a film has been again. And I want to talk about it because you know what makes for an effective prison is one that you don't want to escape from because what's out there is worse than what's in here. And we see that trope played out a lot. I've been watching Silo on Apple, which is an adaptation of Wool, the book. But how is it as an adaptation? I've only watched the first episode, but I enjoyed it. I mean, I still sit there and went, I have the book, but but I do that. I mean, it's the same thing with, you mentioned Lovecraft Country earlier. It's yeah. The same thing there. Uh, there's things you can do in a book that don't work on screen, right? Mm-hmm. And Lovecraft cut most of what didn't want to work on screen, so it works as a show. But anyway, but I want to talk about, before I say what it's from, that that's a very real prison to me, right? That there is no escape. Because what's out there, where are you going to escape to? What does that look like? And I think that's a really effective thing. And so in the particular place it first premiered, you have these two wrongfully accused people sent there. And it's a forced labor prison. So they have to, but when they're not laboring, there's fighting among the inmates. There's all this stuff. And ultimately the only way one of them finally establishes enough street cred to where they can be left alone is he damages someone else's genitals. Um, And and I think that's really what makes a compelling prison, though, is that even at that point when they have credit and street cred in the prison and they're trying to plan an escape, there's a very real chance that even if they quote-unquote escape, 
they're going to die because mm-hmm. what's out there is bad. It's horrible. And of course, I'm talking about the most classic. Oh my God. Prison I thought movie. you already said the title and I missed it. And no, I'm like, no, no, no. I'm talking about Jesus, the most James. classic prison movie of all time. It's the movie that when you say science fiction prison, everybody goes, of course. I'm talking about Star Trek 60 Undiscovered Country. Rura uh, Pente is. That's a, a long build up to get where we went. I told you yeah. I was going to start nerdiest first. By the way, Vincenzo's other really good movie I enjoyed was in The Tall Grass. It's a Stephen King adaptation. James, I love you, but I hate you. Rura Pente, though, is a, <laughs> is a great idea for a prison, right? Your punishment, if you misbehave, if you won't mine, if you won't work, if you won't labor, is they just let you go. Mm-hmm. Because outside you'll freeze to death. I mean, that's that's literally so prison and imprisonment in this forced labor camp where there's children mining, there's women, men, it doesn't matter. They if you were accused of a crime by the Klingon Empire, they're going to work you to death. And your option other than working is to go out and freeze to death in this barren landscape. And there's no transporting off because they've got magnetic shields and all of that stuff. If you've never seen Star Trek Six, you should watch it. It's the end of this. The last time the original cast did a movie together. But I wanted to bring it up, though, because it's not just in movies. If you're a Star Trek fan, it comes up several different times. Captain Archer on Enterprise is sent there. And matter of fact, his attorney ends up getting sent there with him for trying to defend him. And mm-hmm. when they when they find a way, a loophole, basically, to let him escape, his attorney goes, if I escape, it'll just be proving them right, and basically agrees to stay and do hard labor until he can change the system from the inside. And so I, I think it's a great device, and I think particularly the reason I actually wanted to bring it up, Chad, other than just to aggravate you, um, is because I think that's a very interesting commentary on prisons in general, right? Yeah. Because I think there is something to be said. That but did you say somebody got their balls smashed? You don't remember the entire scene where Kirk has to, the guy's yeah. fighting Kirk and he Not finally everybody kicks keeps their genitals in the same. He place. kicks him below the knee and the guy just falls over and he goes, I don't know why that worked. And she has the line, as Joe said, not everybody keeps the genitals in the same place. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, I forgot. So, but I think, I think there's some commentary there. If you want to read it this way about how we view prisons in general, right? I mean, once you escape from a prison, you're still labeled. If you apply for college, if you apply for a job, have you ever been convicted of a felony? Have you ever? So sometimes. Convicted. No, I know that, that was a rhetorical question, Joe. You weren't required to answer. Uh, but well, not sometimes, convicted. sometimes our, our I, I think there's a point there about what does escape look like? Do we ever, I mean, do people that we send to prison ever really get no, I don't know. Released? I think you're reading a lot into Star Trek <laughs> 6. I actually, it's my commentary on all prison movies, right? It's actually Shawshank Redemption has that entire line. Are you reformed? Yeah. And that entire speech. So I think that's it. But I wanted to start off geeky, and I did. Rura Pente is a great prison planet. It's actually just an asteroid that they're forced to mine. And their their punishment is they're let go. So there you go. Ha ha. I started with Rua Pente, Chad. You started serious. I went the other way. I'll get more serious as the night goes on. Chad, bring us back. Chad, oh, I'm, I'm going to go in. quick re- and bring us back. I'm going to go in reverse, and I'm just going to tell you the title straight off the bat. Don't Jean-Claude Van Damme, Death Warrant. 
You know, I actually don't know that I've ever seen it. Uh, I've seen this is, would, this is where I would tell you don't waste your time. <laughs> well, I wasn't going to run out and watch. I think I'd watch I Come in Peace before I'd watch that. I loved Death Warrant as a kid. Um, and honestly, you guys, I was I was thinking about this for my list, and I realized that Jean-Claude Van Damme movies in the early 90s is probably what got me through puberty. <laughs> That's more information than so we you could masturbate know. to Jean-Claude? No, it's every movie he had. I had a crush on the female co star. So in Death Warrant, it was Cynthia was female co star, he says. Well, it was uh in Death Warrant, it was Cynthia Gibb, who I thought is absolutely stunning in that movie. Uh Double Impact had Alona Shaw. Nowhere to no run had who are any of these people are. Nowhere to run had Rosanna Arquette, Time Cop had Mia Sarah, and Street Fighter had Kylie Minogue. I mean, right there, guys. Jean-Claude Van Damme. Every movie, and I was a, I had to watch every Jean-Claude Van Damme movie that came out because my brothers were big Jean-Claude Van Damme fans. Um, so some of the movies hooked on to me, and Death Warrant is right up there. It it, it hooked on to me. It doesn't have the same uh, staying power as Hard Target or Time Cop does. But uh, at the time, I really enjoyed it. And if you're not familiar with Death Warrant, uh, it is... A, <laughs> uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme plays a cop who um, is uh, sent into a corrupt prison um, to s figure out what's going on there. And they, they call they, they send him in as a prisoner to figure out what's going on. Um, and it's about him trying to struggle uh, to stay alive inside of this, this hardcore prison. Uh, and uh, it even has it's Morgan Freeman played by Robert Gilliam. Uh, played by it's 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 the exact same story. It's the exact same archetype that <laughs> her, uh, Morgan Freeman's character is. Uh, but it's Robert Gill. I can never say his name right. Robert Gilliam, I yeah. think is how you say it. That's okay. But it also stars Patrick Kilpatrick as the serial killer called the Sandman, who Jean Claude Van Damme sends to the prison. Art Lafleur guys plays the main prison villain, <laughs> Sergeant DeGraff. Um, and our, even Armin Shimmerman's in it as Dr. Gotsman. So I, I had to do just a, 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 a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie, uh, to talk about prison movies. Cause, and then the best part about this is it, it doesn't even look like a prison. It looks like a warehouse cause they fight in the boiler room and the boiler room is, it's literally small prison, go down and fight in the boiler room. And it's this massive factory. With with like burning coal, like huge, huge, uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? Furnaces and things like that, which you would not find in any prison. Yeah. So it, it just the sheer, it's written by David S. Goyer too, by the way. Hmm. Forgot to mention that. So that's my second pick, Death Warrant. Here's mine. It's directed by Nicholas Wendigo Refnibibu. And I am going to say, as someone said earlier, I think this is the best performance of this actor. An actor who I think is a kind of a star, but actual character actor. Tom Hardy's best performance. I'm going to talk about Bronson. Ooh, it's over here on my shelf. I love Bronson. It's about a man who was sentenced to seven years in prison for robbing a post office and ends up spending three decades in what? Solitary confinement. Like murdering the first. His own personality supplanted by his alter ego, Charles Bronson. That's the plot, right? Yeah. But man, he transforms into this just malevolent, chiseled, badass, awful person. 
and what james yes yeah watch this man drives a good movie (laughs) is that the one where nothing much happens and it's basically an 80s movie yeah but (laughs) what's his name Uh, albert brooks is amazing albert brooks is good in that one yeah yeah so yeah let's talk about drives (laughs) Sorry, Drew. But no, yeah, Tommy I, Thomas Tom Hardy as Bronson is phenomenal. He's well, just batshit insane. And the actual guy it's based on actually gave him credit and said, yeah. no, he got it. That's that's exactly what I did. That's that's it. I mean, when you get the when you're doing a real life story and the real person goes, Yeah, that's it. Well, that's pretty thank good. You, that's pretty good thank you for saying that. What I, what I was going to add is there's some really, if you go on IMDb about it, there's some pretty good trivia. And one of them is the actual Charles Bronson, who we're talking about, shaved off his mustache and sent it to Tom Hardy so that he could be made into a loose mustache for Hardy to wear. I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the director wasn't allowed to meet Charles Bronson in person since he's not from Britain, but was allowed to have two phone calls with him. Tom Hardy met with Bronson several times and the two became good friends. And Bronson was impressed with how Hardy managed to get just as muscular as he was and how well he could mimic his own personality and voice. He believes Hardy was the only person who could play him. Like James said. Yeah. Just like he's the only person that could play a syphilitic Al Capone. Now, let me finish this with the best part of the trivia. So there was these two twins who were called the Cray twins who were murdering, thieving, awful bastards in Britain. Charles Bronson, the character who's in Bronson, became friends with the Cray twins in Parkhurst Prison in 1978. Tom Hardy has played all three of these motherfucking people. Yep, legend. Yep, and a movie called Legend, which they've never made a movie that actually kind of is good about those two twin brothers. I like Legend. I, I like I like him in Legend, but the, I don't like the movie. Yeah, I like Legend, but I agree with you. It's not great. And so. there's an 80s film that deals with it, too. Oh, that's, that's awful. That, that's not all that also doesn't kind of do the, them justice. And if the you craze about the craze, look it up. They're fascinating when one was straight, one was gay, and they were awful. No, the cra- the the craze those two the, the characters play it too straight. I mean, yeah. there's not there's nothing the the craze from the eighties is boring as hell. Yeah, they're sociopaths. So Tom Hardy played all three of these people. Yeah. I just find it fascinating. I do too. Who's next? That would be he James. also played uh, the uh, the clone of Picard. Remember yes, that? James. Remember that? <laughs> yes, <he did. laughs> but they didn't go to Rurapente. They did not go to Rurapente. Um, so I wasn't going to do this one, but I feel like I need to talk about it, So hopefully I'm not stealing one from Chad, but if so, he can do the one he did for Good Movie Monday. See, now you all remember there was a time period called the 80s and 90s, and there were a ton of action of films made during the 80s and 90s. And who were two of the stars of those action films? You're doing Tango and Cash. No, I'm doing, I'm, no, I'm Lock doing up. Escape Plan. Oh, um, I had almost forgot about escape plane, but I, if I remember correctly, didn't we see that in theaters? I didn't. I don't you. think I saw it in theaters. I don't remember. I saw it theater. last year. That was. The first I one thought I, I saw, saw it with one of hey, you on theaters. We had the director of the sequel on the show. Well, and I was going to say, so I didn't. I, I, as you all know, I don't always keep track of directors. I didn't know the escape plan. Which, by the way, the escape plan was the first major motion picture. Yes. 
Uh, Arnold mm-hmm. had a cameo in Expendables. But this was the film that finally gave us Arnold and Sylvester Stallone doing a movie together. Arnold play, um, sorry, Sylvester Stallone and plays Fifty this, Cent. And Fifty Cent, you're absolutely right. Uh, uh, Sylvester Stallone plays this guy that designs prisons to make them unable to be escaped from. And he ends up, of course, getting thrown in one of his own prisons, et cetera, et cetera. I didn't um, see that coming. And, of course, he befriends uh, an inmate, played by Sylvester Stallone, or played by Arnold Schwarzenegger. They decide to break out. It also stars, as Joe said, 50 Cent, Vinnie Jones, uh, Vincent D'Onofrio, yep. Amy Ryan, but most importantly, as the bad guy, Jesus. Jim Caviezel. Yeah, Jim Caviezel plays the warden, who is of course corrupt. Um, that never happens. And so it, it was. Uh, it it made 137 million dollars worldwide off a of 50 million dollar budget, so it made some money. Got as Joe said, got some sequels. Um, but it was just one of those things that happened. But it was directed. Michael Hofstra. The, I can't say his name. Yeah, uh, Mikhail Hofstra, mm-hmm. uh, who also directed The Right with um, Anthony Hopkins. Yeah. And I blanked on what else he directed, Joe. <laughs> I don't, it doesn't matter. No, no, no. Okay, hold on. This? No, there was one that I actually was like, oh, I didn't know he directed that. Let me, sorry. I had to, I'm sorry. I, I was trying to get ready for what I talk. I'm not I, actually Well, sometimes, sometimes you, you remember things, but I, I've aimed too high. I he directed a couple of horror films. Uh, he directed uh, The Right and 1408. 1408 is mm-hmm. the one that I couldn't remember. 1408 is one good movie. It's very, I was going to say, visually, it's very compelling. So, but uh, I I saw The Escape Plan in theaters. I thought it was, was one of you all, but obviously not. Um, or you just don't remember going plugs with me. That's fine. That's fine. Either one of those could be true. The point being, though, is uh, I saw I preferred, it. I preferred when they use that premise for double team. Uh, I saw Who it. Who stole where, it from the prisoner? I saw it. I don't necessarily remember too much about it, but I do remember it was a big deal that we finally, after two decades almost, got a movie with Sylvester Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger. So if you like prison films that are adventure films and also star 50 Cent, you really should check out Escape Plan. I, I remember enjoying it. It was just, I don't remember anything about it, you know, 10 years, 20 years later. Mm-hmm. Whose turn is it again? Oh, I guess it is it my turn? Oh, it's your turn. Yeah. We're around to round three. So uh, I am going to redo the one I did for Good Movie Monday in case you didn't hear that segment on our favorite our favorite Australian Glenn's uh, podcast. Um, I want to talk with my favorite person named Glenn in Australia. Okay, do you have another one? No, but I mean, I don't want to eliminate those opportunities. Then shut your hole. (laughs) I don't want to eliminate it. I want to talk about 1992's Fortress, uh, directed by Stuart Gordon, starring Christopher Lambert. Uh, written by Troy Neighbors, Stephen Feinberg, and David Venable. I'm probably butchering that name all to shit. Um, so it takes place in the future. Um, and uh, Christopher Lambert's character and his wife are thrown into jail because they get pregnant and they're only allowed one pregnancy, which they lost the first child. So they're thrown into prison for getting pregnant again. Um, and during that time, they run into the evil warden played by Kurtwood Smith, who plays prison director Poe. Um, and it has a star, it has a great 
cast of uh, character of, of character actors like Lincoln Kilpatrick, Jeffrey Combs, Vernon Wells, Tim Tolles is in it. Sorry, Tom Tolles. Um, it is a great futuristic prison movie. Um, a lot of great effects, in my opinion, for 1992 anyway. And Christopher Lambert, uh, I like James was a huge Christopher Lambert film when I a Christopher Lambert fan when I was younger, still am. Um, there's a I still love a bunch of his films from back then. Fortress being one of them. I need to go back and watch Fortress. It's real. I, I really do enjoy it, especially Christopher Lambert and uh, Kurtwood Smith in it. Is it on Tubi? There is I, a bad special I, effect with Kurtwood Smith with the thing on his stomach or whatever that pops in my mind. Yeah, but I always look back at the but a a his acting in the film it, during that scene where you see that is really yeah. good. So he pulls it off, even though it's low budget nineties special effects. James, did you know who was supposed who uh, the part was actually supposed to go to? No. So. Uh, Stuart Gordon got the job to direct uh, Fortress because Arnold Schwarzenegger saw Reanimator. <laughs> his uh, his stunt double was actually in Reanimator, and he showed it to Arnold. And Arnold actually had a private screening at his house, uh, and he liked it so much that he wanted Stuart to do um, Reanimator uh, Fortress. Uh, uh-huh. And at the time, they had a sixty to seventy million dollar budget to do this film but then arnold decided that he didn't want to do it and the producer john davis dropped the budget down to 15 million yeah so that's why it got the it's cheaper it didn't get the big release that it did because uh christopher lambert played arnold schwarzenegger uh i didn't realize the film takes place in 2017 that's he makes it even funnier same thing with what demolition man it takes place what was it 1999 guys uh, it's later than 99 it has to be later than 99 no i don't i don't think so i'll look it up um it was shot uh, i didn't realize it was shot in australia and it was actually shot at a prison oh. and it was the cast and crew were terrified because uh the prison officials were you know they had to sign waivers saying that they wouldn't be responsible if something happened to them and uh the the prisoner uh the the warden and or whoever one of the, the people was giving them protection and uh uh, that he should, wouldn't it probably wouldn't help them because they go for the eyes anyway <laughs> so yeah that is my last pick uh honorable mentions will be coming after but um i really did enjoy fortress and i still do and yes i believe it is on tubi joe okay i need to go watch it my last pick is a movie we've talked on before here uh s craig zoller's bra- uh, um, brawl and cell block 99 that is a good movie. I mean, there are other movies that are probably better. There are movies that probably are a little less right wing, but it's just a lot of fun. And basically what it is, is it's one. And once again, it's one of Vince Vaughn's best performances. I was wrong. It takes place in 1996. Oh, well, there you go. I didn't know that. There you go. Vince Vaughn's best performances. And he is a guy who has had some trouble with the law and he's a turn to a drug runner and he lands in prison and, and it gets bad from there on. And once as, again, as most of his movies do. <laughs> right. It's also dragged across concrete. Vince Vaughn's pretty good in that with Mel Gibson as well. Yeah. So I, I don't know that I like, I, I may like bone Tomahawk the best out of all of those. Yeah. I agree with that. But I think Brawl and Cell Brock 99 is a lot of fun. 
and Don Johnson. Johnson. Sorry, yeah. a bit, sorry to me to step on your toes there. No, it also has Don Johnson in it. And if you've never seen it, yeah, it is a little right wing, but it's so violent. It's so good. It just keeps uh, on going. And the it, scene with the toilet hole. Yeah, and it's basically there's a line that Sam, um, shit, what is this? That mustache. What, Sam almost, Elliott. Sam Elliott. I almost said Sam Fuller. How much more obscure is that? Sam Elliott talked about. Um, oh my God, my mind went blank again. I'm talking, but it wasn't about S. Craig Zalon. But I'll talk. I'll say this: He doesn't write movies for women or pussies. <laughs> <laughs> and i know that sounds sexist i don't mean for it to he he does write for some women but it's mainly about guys and not pussies what do you gentlemen think as craig's all on yeah, yeah i would agree with that but at the same time i mean he i mean jennifer jennifer carpenter in brawl is a strong female character she is she is but i still like that quote from Sam Elliott <laughs> about oh my god why can't I think of the right the director of Conan by the way it has officially been five years uh he needs to make another film well he gave you that puppet master movie that we watched here a few weeks god, ago that, and that was terrible he wrote that <laughs> I genius, know genius script <sighs> all right James you're here to finish us up I'm oh, he apparently do... is working on a movie called Hug Chicken Penny, whichever that, whatever that is. Well, that's what I do is hug chicken pennies all the time. I, I'm going to do an old school one, you all, but I think it's a, I think it's one that it's, it's a true story, quote unquote, as all true story films are. But it's one that doesn't get talked about the way it used to. And maybe even before Great Escape, maybe this would have been the prison movie most people would have thought about. Though, again, doesn't get much reference now. Um. But I think we can't do a prison episode and not at least acknowledge the Birdman of Alcatraz. John yeah. Frankenheimer's Birdman of Alcatraz. It's a good movie. Burt Lancaster, Carl Malden. Uh, the, the story of this violent criminal. So basically the, the story is, uh, or the plot. You, yes, Chet. I just, you know, the whole character is bullshit, right? That man was terrible. Oh, no, no, no. And that's actually one of the things that uh, came up later on. I was going to get to it near the end. Okay, um, I'm sorry. He's been doing but, it all night, James. But the plot to the, the film is is that he's already in prison. And he's supposed Here's to get a visit. Splice. Uh, he's supposed <laughs> to get really a, a visit from his mother. And he's he breaks an internal policy. And so they say, well, your mother can't visit you today. So he does what in his mind was the rational thing and kills the guard that tells him he can't see his mother, which of course gets him moved into solitary. He actually is supposed to get the death penalty. Um, but his mother appeals to then president Woodrow Wilson and says, can you make him not die? You know, he's, he's my son. He's all I've got. And so they agree to keep him in solitary confinement. And he starts to, uh, so he's he's by himself all the time, obviously, ergo solitary. But he, he nurses a bird back to health. He, he becomes obsessed with birds and becomes more or less a, a noted, excuse me, ornithologist. Um, and, and yes, so. He can work on teeth? Yeah, that's what that means, Joe. Make sure you call and request an ornithologist appointment. I want to know how that goes for you. Well, my teeth um, are good. 
But uh, my arm, my bird's all fucked up though. Do you know anybody <laughs> knows anything about birds? Nope. Um, but shit. as as Chad said, Frank Herney, who was actually a prison guard from 1948 to 1951, uh, said that the movie played with it and made him sympathetic, and said while he did nurse birds back to health, while he did learn a lot about birds, he was and let me quote Herney here, extremely difficult and demented. Uh, he was extremely intelligent, but he was also, quote, a vicious killer and a violent uh, psychopath. Unless I'm in there, they there. He also like repeatedly talked about how he loved to rape uh, a certain group of people that are very young. Yeah, and that was that if he got Burt out of prison, be the first thing he did. Burt Lancaster later said. That after he played him and after because he died a year after the film, the actual Robert Stroud was his name, yeah. uh, died a year after the film came out, um, after serving more than 50 years in prison. And Burt Lancaster said after he died that the one thing they couldn't put in the film was that, that yeah. they that he was because the film made him, you know, a lot of people said, Well, why won't you parole him? He's 70 some years old, what could he do? And Burt Lancaster came out and said that he repeatedly had told authorities that he would sexually abuse the young. Yeah. Um, and, and also, too, they leave out the James. I'm sorry. I'm not going to step on your toes, man. No, no, no. Go ahead. They never repeatedly talked about the fact that that guy stunk constantly. He was covered in bird shit 24 yep. 7. He never took a bath. He was always smell. He was always covered in bird shit every single day, all day long. Uh, Oddly it's enough, a bad though, problem. oddly enough, um, this film has made him Alcatraz no longer being a thing, uh, has made him the second most famous to this day in the annals of the famous people that were at Alcatraz. He is the second most famous Al uh, inmate, second only to Al Capone. Al Capone, yeah, Al Capone, yeah. yeah. And, uh... so. But if you've never seen Birdman of Alcatraz, A, it's really well done. It is, as Chad has pointed out, and as I readily agree, they make him a sympathetic character. He was not. He liked killing people. Yeah. There's a reason. You don't put somebody in solitary confinement, even if you're the most corrupt person ever, if they did absolutely nothing wrong. Now, solitary confinement, there's a, a huge debate about how that's completely wrong if you want more information about it. There's a recent episode of John Oliver I recommend checking out. But Stroud couldn't be around other people because he liked to kill. He was a monster. <laughs> not, but, the, not the Burt Lancaster character. Yeah, I was going to say, but the film is interesting in that it is one of the early films. Uh, let's see, it came out in, uh, was it 1952? 62, I'm sorry, 62. It was one of the first films, though, that tried to make a prisoner seem somewhat sympathetic. Um, oddly enough, perhaps misplaced with this particular one, but you probably should watch it. It's it's a good one to see uh, at least showing something going on. So, We ready? For I'm ready. Honorable mentions? Honorable mentions. Um, I mentioned this earlier, but I think it does deserve a mention, even though it's technically not a prison movie, but this the prison scenes in Tango and Cash, I think, are epic. Well, I like Tango and Cash. <laughs> it's technically not a prison movie, but the prison scenes in yeah. that. Um, I really do like Let's Go to Jail with uh, Will Will Arnett and uh, Dak Shepard. Mm -hmm. 
um where they that he plays uh let's, let's uh, go to prison let's go to prison sorry yep let's go to prison uh ernest goes to jail guys still, yeah still love ernest that, goes that entire episode uh, the part where he's getting the pen yep oh that's 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 that's, <laughs> that's the only scene now i remember jail is the pen scene <laughs> that is it and that's that why in all of streaming can you not find Ernest Goes to Jail or Ernest Goes to Camp? You can find every other Ernest movie ever made. Except those are both those Disney films, two. right? Are they? Yeah, Ernest Goes to Camp definitely is. I don't know about Ernest Goes to Jail, but I think they're both Disney. Why are they not releasing these? I don't know. Is Ernest Scared Stupid and Ernest Saves Christmas on Disney? Uh, Ernest Saves Christmas, I believe, is. Uh, and so is Ernest Scared Stupid. And I mean, you can even find all the other ones. Ernest ride, ride, Ernest Rides Again, Slam Duck Ernest, uh, Ernest Goes to School. They're all on various streaming services. These two cannot be found. And it drives me crazy because there's the only two I want to watch. Hmm. Um, and then finally, I want to mention the prince, the professor, and the madman uh, from 2019. Uh, Tom's uh, Sean Penn and uh, Mel Gibson, where Mel Gibson is this man in a insane asylum who helps basically build the Oxford English Dictionary. I never seen it. Oh, it's real. Uh, him, him as the madman is really good. Sean Penn is Sean Penn, <laughs> but Mel Gibson, as problematic as he is now. Uh, he is really great as uh, what's the character's name? Uh, I'm sorry, Mel Gibson. I got this reversed. Uh, no, no, guys, I I completely bashed this. Sean Penn is the madman, and he's really good in it. And Mel Gibson is James Murray, the guy who works at Oxford, who is working with Sean Penn to uh, to create the the dictionary. Both are great. I don't know why I said Sean Penn is Sean Penn. I got him confused uh, in another role that he did similar to this. So yeah, uh, but I highly recommend Princess, the Professor, and the Madman. Okay, so, go. My two are uh, one that I don't think gets any play anymore, which is sad. It was a huge hit too, and it and a lot of people, even Tarantino says this is Don Siegel's last good film, Escape from Alcatraz with Clint Eastwood from nineteen seventy nine. That doesn't get play. I do. I never hear anybody talk about it. No, I've got a third cousin that's in it. Oh yeah. Is it like people get... talk about a lot of Eastwood films anymore, to be honest with you? Well, yeah, but and but they were all popular. They all made yeah. money. And Matt, Patrick McGowan's the bad guy in it. But I remember, and I haven't seen it in a long time either. The other one is I, I is one of my, I actually don't even dislike the the remake of it with Adam Sandler, The Longest Yard with Burt Reynolds. Yeah. I mean, we, you kind of have to mention The Longest Yard. You do. Movies. I didn't bring, I didn't put it on my list because I thought you were going to bring it up, so that's why I didn't. There you go, James. Uh, I've got a, a couple honorable mentions. I have to do really, really quickly. Um, I have to mention The Rock. It's obviously an old prison by the time they're there, but one of the some of the best mm -hmm. scenes in it are when they're locked in there, having escaped from here before. How much tell us how you did it? Now? How in the name of Zeus's butthole did you get out of here? Even though none uh, of that stuff actually exists in Alcatraz. <laughs> no, it doesn't matter. So it's good, good time. Yeah, uh, it's, which, it's and I love it. Which also leads me to Con Air, uh, yeah. which is vaguely a prison film, but uh, most of it takes place outside of prison. But by the way, I wanted to bring it's this up. It's a prison plane. I want to. I'm bring pissed this up. that I didn't come up with it. I forgot about it. I watched a thing, a conspiracy theory thing. That's where they do film conspiracy theories, and I wanted to. There's a film conspiracy theory. 
that says Donnie from the Big Lebowski is actually the same character as Steve Buscemi played in Con Air. And they actually have good logic for it. Hmm. He kills all the other bowlers that he doesn't like. Because every time you watch the movie, he never has a shirt that has his name on it. It's always somebody else's name. And those are the trophies he keeps of the bowlers he kills. Interesting. Go. I went back and rewatched it because I'm like, they can't be made. No, it's uh, Tim and stuff like that. He never has a bowling shirt that has his name on it. I've never noticed that. Donnie does not wear bowling shirts. He's wearing other people's bowling shirts. And I'm like, oh, my God, I would pay real money if the Coen brothers came out and went, yeah, you got us. That's what we had planned all along. Uh, uh, but I want to bring well, up one other, one final example. One final example of a prison film. I thought one of you all would do it because the prison plays such a big part in this. The fact that the characters are divided by glass. And it's the second best film that this director ever was involved in that involved somebody being in prison. And that's Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. Silence of the Lambs, uh, Hannibal Lecter, the scenes where he is in prison talking to Clarice are great scenes. And I say it's the second best one he did because I don't want people to overlook Jonathan Demme's classic prison film that made him the man that he was. He both wrote and directed Cage T. Big Bad Hooters too. Cage Seat. He wrote and directed it. Don't forget, mm-hmm. kids. Before he ever worked with Sir Anthony Hopkins, he wrote a prison, a women's prison film. Cage. Yeah. No, it's true. It's true. He got his start working with Roger Corman. Yeah. So check out Cage Seat if you've never seen it. I'll be honest. I don't know if I've ever seen it, but you I should. Think I've, I think oh, I've, I've seen it. Watch it. I've I seen think it. I've seen it. It's been a long time, but I think I've seen it. You should check it out. Scenes. You should check out some of the scenes. <laughs> None of the ones that involve women fighting or anything. No, Joe wants you to watch just the credits. He's just fascinated. The credits. He's fascinated by fonts. Yes, just the, them. The bigger the fonts, the more Joe's interested. All right, guys, this has been our prison movie episode. If we miss something that you like and we didn't say it, go to hell. Go to Ruripente. You can sell yeah, ice on Ruripente. That's absolutely true. This has been Bonehead Weekly. Grrrr. <sniffs>